0: thank you thank you to our choir thank you to our praise band thank you Morgan for leading us in worship our south campus is joining us um, here at the main campus this morning so if you're from our south campus welcome home meet the rest of your brothers and sisters if you don't know them yet we're glad that you're joining us here today Morgan leads worship over to our south campus and we're thankful for the work that God is doing there I'm gonna ask you if you will this morning turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6, and we are going to wrap up our series through the book of Ephesians. Ephesians chapter 6, and I want to look this morning at the unwelcomed message of hope. The unwelcomed message of hope. There is a God. God. He created you. He loves you. And though your sin has separated you from him, he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for the forgiveness of your sin, and he rose again that you and I may have eternal life in him. In Christ Jesus, we can have hope. One would imagine that this message would be one that the world wants to hear. In the midst of fears and doubts and pains, personal struggles in relationships, Personal struggles in families and and in homes. Struggles to find our own sense of personal value, our own sense of identity. National struggles of uncertainty and division and fear. There is a God. He created you. He loves you. And though your sin has separated from you, you from him, he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for the forgiveness of your sin and rose again that you and I may have eternal life. In him, in Christ Jesus, we can have hope. One would imagine that this message would be one that the world would want to hear. Yet it is not. Indeed, from the time of Christ, this message, this message has been fought against. It has been disregarded. It has been ridiculed. And those who have promoted this message, have been and still are being persecuted and imprisoned, fired from jobs, kicked out of families, and even killed. Open Doors USA, a a ministry that provides information on worldwide, worldwide religious persecution, reports that according to the U.S. State Department, Christians in more than 60 countries in our world face persecution from their governments or surrounding neighbors simply because of their belief in Christ. As a matter of fact, they go on to say that one in every 12 Christians in the world lives in an area or in a culture in which Christianity is illegal, illegal, Forbidden or punished, there is a God. He created you. He loves you. And though your sin has separated you from him, he sent his only son, Jesus, to die for the forgiveness of your sins. And he rose again that you and I may have eternal life. In Him, in Christ Jesus, we can have hope. Yet in 2016, Time magazine published an online op-ed entitled Regular Christians Are No Longer Welcomed in American Culture. Today, we celebrate Easter, the time when we, when we pay particular attention to remember the, the death and primarily remember the resurrection of Jesus Christ, the story that is recounted in all four Gospels of the New Testament. Today is the day we celebrate that the Son of God is no longer dead. But indeed, is risen to offer eternal hope to all who call on his name. So why? Why is this message of Christ still so hated by the world? While there may be a lot of reasons we can give, more importantly this morning, I want us to think about what we, we who embrace Christ by faith, what are, what are we supposed to do? How are we supposed to live? For the past two months, we have been walking through Paul's letter to the Ephesian church. And Paul has taught us a great deal about God, about salvation, about grace and peace and unity and humility and the church and the family and the way we are to walk worthy of the calling of God in our life. And yet when Paul closes this letter to the church, he closes it with a message about armor. Read with me from Ephesians chapter 6. I'm going to begin in verse 10. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of of this dark world and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, therefore, put on the full armor of God so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground and after you have done everything to stand, stand firm. Stand firm firm with the belt of truth buckled around your waist with the breastplate of righteousness in place and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace in addition in addition to all this take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all The flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Verse 18, Paul says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert, always. Keep on praying for all the Lord's people. Pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. I thought as as I read this passage again I I was reminded and I thought about the the Roman soldiers who would have wore who would have worn this armor. I thought about the soldiers who were who were there. Those that took part when Jesus was arrested. The soldiers who were there when he was tried and flogged and nailed to the cross. The soldiers who would have lifted him above the people. The soldiers who saw him die and then pierced his side. thought about those soldiers who took him off the cross and gave his body to be buried. I thought about the ones who took him and laid him in the tomb. Then they were placed there to, to guard the tomb. You know, the Jewish leaders had heard about Jesus saying he was going to die. But then he was saying they were gonna, that he was going to raise again. And so they placed Roman guards to guard the tombs. I wondered about those Roman guards that were standing outside the tomb when the ground began to shake and the stone was rolled away and they were filled with such fear and such awe that they lay like dead men. I wondered about them and about the the armor that they must have had on while performing their assigned duties you see the the Romans Rome at this time was a was a world power was a was a world power and every person in the empire would have known exactly what a Roman soldier wore. Romans were considered the enemy of most people they'd overthrown every government they'd robbed the people of even their most basic of human rights. Most common folks, both Greek and Jewish, would have probably not put Rome on their top ten list of most admired people groups. Then I wondered about how Paul tells the church that we are to dress Like the Roman soldiers, we are to dress every day for battle. You see, the church suffered great persecution even during the time of Paul. Remember, Paul writes this from prison because he's been arrested for sharing the gospel. And so, Paul, I think, is telling the church here is how we are to function in this world that does not want to hear the message of the gospel, that does not want to hear that hope is found in Christ. This is how we are to function in the world that does not want to hear the message of repentance and belief in a crucified and risen Jesus Christ. And so Paul says, stand. Be strong in the Lord and stand. And then Paul makes three important observations that I want us to see from this passage this morning. The first of those is that Paul calls out, Our real enemy. Paul calls out our real enemy. In verse 11 and 12, Paul says, Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers and against authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Christian is our real enemy, he is not flesh and blood. Our real enemy is not the ones leveling the persecution. In Paul's day, he would be telling the church at Ephesus, The Romans are not your enemy. Yes, they were the ones fighting against your message. Yes, they may be the ones ridiculing the name of Christ. And yes, They are the ones imprisoning you and even killing you. But they're not your enemy. Paul says our enemy is the devil himself. Our enemy is a spiritual force. It is not people. There's an interesting reality in Christianity. You see, Jesus has called us to love our enemy, to love the one who has set himself up against the Christian message. In Matthew chapter 5, when Jesus tells us that, he follows that with a command. He says, love your enemy and pray for those who persecute you. Pray for those who persecute you. I think what Jesus is saying here is that even though a person or a group of persons or even an entire culture have set themselves up as your enemy, we are to love them and pray for them. Most of the serious problems in the church would immediately dissolve if we truly could identify our enemy. It's not people. Never has been, never will be. So when Paul tells us to put on the whole armor for battle, he does not tell us to put on a physical armor. But rather he says put on the armor, the armor of God. Now that we know who our enemy is, let's see how Paul tells us to get dressed for battle. Let's see how he tells us to get dressed for battle. Verse 13 and following, he says, Therefore put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you have done everything to stand, stand firm then with the belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of truth righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with the readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish the flaming arts of, uh, or the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. First Paul calls this the armor of God, not the armor of man. The enemy is an enemy of God, so our battle dress would be useless if we put on the same thing that the soldiers of Paul's day put on. So this armor of God, Paul says, consists of six pieces of equipment. The first is the belt of truth. This is the single most important piece of this armor because everything else ties to and is secured by this belt the belt of truth secondly Paul says to put on the breastplate of righteousness a a body armor that covers the major organs of our body like our heart and our Lungs. Then he says, put on the shoes of the gospel of peace. The gospel of peace. Remember, we are running, we are not running into battle to destroy, but rather to bring the gospel, to bring the death and resurrection of Christ so that we could know peace through repentance and faith. Paul says, take up the shield of faith, the enemy, the real enemy. The devil will launch his attacks on you. Thoughts of fear and unworthiness and anxiety and doubt and distractions and and a host of others. He will launch them at you and he will launch them relentlessly. Faith is necessary to extinguish all the flaming darts of his assault. The helmet of salvation, Paul says, put on next. That one piece of armor that not only protects our mind, but transforms our thinking to the worldview of Christ. That we could know him. And know His will, the the helmet of salvation, the sword of the Spirit. The sword of the Spirit is the next thing that Paul says to take up. And he says that is the Word of God, the only offensive weapon on our person. When Jesus faced temptation in the wilderness, He spoke only the Word of God. Beloved, if our hearts and our minds and our mouths were filled to overflowing capacity with the Scriptures. Take up the sword of the Spirit. And Paul does give us one more tool in this arsenal that we're to wear every day. Verse 18 through 20, he says, And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with this in mind be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people pray also for me that whenever I speak words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains pray that I may declare it fearlessly Notice that Paul says to pray on all occasions. All occasions with all kinds of prayers. He says to be alert, be awake, and pray. Pray for each other. And then Paul says finally pray for me. So that as I proclaim and declare the gospel, I can do it boldly and fearlessly. The armor of God. It says, once it's all on, pray. And so now you may be thinking, what does putting on the armor of God have to do with Easter and the celebration? Of the resurrection of Christ. What does this have to do with that morning when Christ's tomb was empty? Let me draw just one conclusion. If we are to put on the belt of truth. We must put on Christ. He says, Jesus says in John fourteen six, I am the truth. If we're to put on the belt of truth, we must put on Christ. If we are to put on the breastplate of righteousness, we must put on Christ. As far back as the Old Testament prophet Jeremiah in chapter 33, verse 16, the Bible says our salvation is from the Lord who is our righteousness. If we're to put on righteousness, we must put on Christ. If we are to shoe our feet with the gospel of peace, We must put on Christ. Paul has already declared in this letter back in chapter 2, verse 14, that Christ is himself our peace. And Jesus says in John 14, 27, that he leaves us his peace. If we want the gospel of peace, we must put on Christ. If we're to take up the shield of faith, we must take up Christ. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says that Jesus is the author and the perfecter of our faith. That shield of faith must be Christ. If we're to put on the helmet of salvation, anybody want to take a guess? We must put on Christ. Speaking of Christ in Acts chapter 4, verse 12, the apostles declare there is salvation in no one else. For there is no other name given among men whereby we must be saved. The helmet of salvation is putting on Christ. And if we are to take up the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God, indeed we must take up Christ. John chapter 1 verse 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, the Word was God. And in verse 14 of that same passage, the Word dwelt among us and we beheld his glory the glory of the only begotten if we're to take up the sword of the Spirit we must take up Christ and if we are to pray we must pray to in and through Christ for he promises us in John 15 you did not choose me but I chose you and I appointed you That you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide. Listen, so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. When we are in the will of Christ, we pray in his name and the will of God is done. And dearly beloved, if Christ still be dead in a tomb, we cannot put on this armor because we cannot put on Christ, as Paul commands us in Romans chapter 13. If he still did, there is no armor. If there is no resurrection. If there is no Easter, then the message, the message that there is a God, that he created you, that he loved you, and though your sin has separated from you from him, He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die for the forgiveness of your sins and rose again that you and I may have eternal life. That in Him, in Christ, we can have hope. If there's no resurrection, then that message should be ridiculed. It should be banned and outlawed because it is foolishness. If there is no resurrection, then we Christians, as Paul declares in 1 Corinthians 15, are the most pitiful. But if it's true, the resurrection is real. If we do genuinely have a Creator and we can genuinely know Him, and that message that message can change the world that message can change our lives because we can live in the presence of our enemy in peace and joy if that message is true then we can walk through the valley of the shadow Of death and have no fear. If that message is true, then we can fearlessly and boldly proclaim the mystery of the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. There is a God, He created you, He loves you. And though your sin has separated you from Him, He sent His only Son, Jesus, to die for the forgiveness of your sin. And He rose again that you and I may have eternal life in Him, in Christ Jesus. We can have hope. You know, friends, this morning, I really don't care where this message is culturally or legally accepted or rejected. I really don't care if I can proclaim it in any country to any people in all the world with or without fear of persecution. That's not really my biggest concern in this very moment. I do care. However, I I, I do care if you are hearing this message. And this morning, I do care if it is accepted or rejected in your life. I do care if you are hearing and heeding the call of God. I do care if you will repent of your sin and believe in your Savior. I do care if you are willing to put on or put on again the whole armor of God. You know, my favorite words in the whole Bible are found in Luke chapter 24, verse 6. My favorite words in the whole Bible. Luke 24, verse 6. He is not here, but has risen. He is not here, but has risen. Those seven words give meaning to every other message we can proclaim. So one more time, is this message welcomed in your life? You know, I told you that I was thinking about those Roman soldiers who were there when Christ died, how they beat him, how they mocked him, how they stripped him, how they Divided and gambled for his clothes, how they nailed his hands and his feet to a cross. But there was one Roman soldier, a centurion, the commander of the troops, if you will. You see, he saw Jesus die. He saw the earthquakes and the darkness. And in Matthew chapter 27, verse 54, we we hear a record of His testimony when standing at the foot of the cross, He says, Truly, this was the Son of God. There is a God. He created you. He loves you. Though your sin has separated you from Him, He sent His only Son, His only Son, Jesus, to die for the forgiveness of your sin. And He rose again that you and I can have eternal life. There is hope in Christ Jesus. We can have started this morning by reminding us that too often this message of hope is unwelcomed in our lives and in our culture. It was rejected by the culture of that one Roman centurion as well. But I pray that like him, we embrace the hope anyway. Father, this morning, <coughs> we thank you for the hope that he is in Christ. We thank you for the hope of the one who died for our sins and rose again for our salvation. We thank you this morning that you are our Creator and that you love us. And that you demonstrated your love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died. Father, this morning we thank you that we can lift our hearts, our voices, our prayers, our songs, our worship because you are worthy as you demonstrate your grace to we who have rejected you so Father, this morning I pray, I pray that if our hearts have never embraced or maybe we have grown cold to the reality that you created us and you loved us and you sent your son and we can have hope in him. Father, this morning if the armor of our lives has become rusted or, 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 or broken from misuse, or no use that today we can stand again in the in the resurrection power of Jesus Christ and we can live this, in this world we can live this life boldly and fearlessly because you are God and you have called us and you have made us new creations And you are the power to take the next step. So, Father, this morning on this celebration of Easter, I pray for those who are still dead in their trespasses and sin, that today they can be baptized in the likeness of your death and raised again to walk in a new life. And I pray for those of us, Father, who may have grown cold. That we would put on the armor and we would stand and we would proclaim. Father, this morning, if there is a need among our church, I pray that you would draw and you would call us to you. That at the foot of the cross and in light of the empty tomb, your hope.